0: Get ready for a whole new Joker, some time with Judy Garland, and a trip to Motown.
1: I'm Bex Perfect. I'm Van Conner. And this is off screen your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. You like the boom?
0: I did. I think you pulled that off really well. Uh, for your, your first boom.
1: But do you know what? I think this this week, above everything, deserves what? a boom, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because it's very rare that you get two massive movies in mm. the cinema that are up there as front runners for awards season in so yeah. many different ways. It, it's
0: true, isn't it? It's, it's we, we got a double whammy this week on the on the potential Oscar front. Definitely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I mean, our first film this week is the movie that I think we have been itching to talk about for weeks on end (laughs) now that we've both seen it we're going to dedicate a whole segment to it because Edie's Astounding! Big. Believe big. the hype, people. This is Joker. It's in cinemas from Friday. It's rated fifteen, and it's basically an amazing story about Ar- a guy called Arthur Fleck, who's an uh, he's a failed comedian, shall we say, and he's a clown for hire by day, and this is his slow descent into madness and ultimately the Joker himself. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, to do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. I'm going to tell you I have no negative thoughts about this movie (laughs) whatsoever I mean let's start what did you think of Joker
0: I mean of of, of the film or of the man
1: uh uh, well, I think a lot of people are going to go into this thinking they're going to see a bunch of superheroes, mm. all that kind of jazz. Oh, I definitely
0: mean, not, no. No,
1: this is a character study, right?
0: What well, it refers to itself on its own IMDb listing. It's, it's a gritty character study.
1: Well, there you go. I did not lift it from IMDb. That was my own thinking <laughs> that it's a character study. I mean, this is like Taxi Driver. This is like it's, a proper meltdown. <laughs> you,
0: you said it. I mean, there, a lot of, uh, there have been those com- Everyone's made that comparison because it so obviously wears those influences on its sleeve yes. about things like Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy sort. There's that uh, Robert De Niro connection. Yeah, and I think Scorsese was for like two weeks or something was going to produce this. Oh
1: wow! Okay, and I didn't know I that. I think
0: that's how Robert De Niro came into the picture as well. But uh, one of the things I thought was an influence that doesn't seem to be getting any credit on this one is Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer with oh. Michael Rooker, the, specifically the image of him and the mirror and the red light. Yeah. And I thought, I thought of you know, it, it's Henry portrait of a Batman villain yeah you know I, I had that with it a great performance though
1: absolutely and let's not forget and this is the thing that always gets me is that Todd Phillips who directed this <laughs> directed The Hangover right.
0: this <laughs> is the thing right because he's not been brilliant in the press this week okay he's, he's, he's said some silly things yeah and I think people are, are, putting the, are putting a little bit more faith in his abilities than we think but he, You sit there and think, yes, but you do look at the man's repertoire and think it's amazing that he's made a movie this good because his filmography, off the top of my head, consists of Road Trip, uh, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, uh, The First Hangover, War Dogs, the the Hangover sequels.
1: Very on, in in one direction, one linear direction, very right, of comedy. So. Yeah, and yeah. then suddenly, but hey, this is the great thing, the big surprise, isn't yeah. it? You just completely turn it on its head and suddenly you create this masterpiece. I will say masterpiece, you say masterpiece. I say absolute masterpiece. I was immersed for two hours in this. I was obviously uh, we'll talk about walking Phoenix in a moment, but I was obviously in completely um, you know captured by his performance but it's everything it's it's the way it's shot. Mm. it's the score that goes to this. it's something it's something that gets under your skin the political undertones of this the ability to kind of show how society can uh, let someone down so much that they ultimately turn into something you know, unbeknownst to us, and, uh, and you know, something underworld almost. Mm. Um, and anarchy as well in this. I think it's all portrayed very well and explained very very well. And What I like about this is that you don't have to be a superhero buff to go and watch this movie and get it.
0: There is uh, a dis- uh there is a superhero connection decision made in the creative process in this that I did I did take on Bridge with. I thought that was dealt with a bit badly.
1: Oh, what's that?
0: Uh I well, can't say for spoiler reasons. Ah, uh, okay. Um but but there is a you know, there's a significant there's a couple of significant Gotham-based events that uh, take place yes. that you're just yes. like did is that necessary? Like
1: okay. Oh, I quite liked them.
0: But but the thing for me as well, I mean this I would say, I think, great movie. Um, there were comparisons, I think, made in the lead-up to it. People had made uh, references to things like Fight Club and things like that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what it would represent, the, the potential danger of releasing this film in this day and age, I think those are unfounded. And I will say I think those are unfounded because my one negative thing about the film is I don't think it's very focused entirely on the statement it wants to make. It has, It won't shut up trying to make points, but it doesn't seem to make one clearly enough Oh, that's
1: interesting. I mean, I thought I got all of their statements very clearly in this, and I felt... There was just enough hmm. to kind of tip the scales a little bit on everything. So maybe it leaves things unanswered, ready to go and follow up. I wouldn't want to see a follow up to this. We oh, know God, no. no but we don't do need Penguin. No, we don't need Penguin. <laughs> well, I don't know. Danny DeVito, are you around? We, we, we have
0: Batman Returns. Technically, decrepit, that already was Decrepit Penguin. penguin.
1: Um, but uh, no, I, I mean, this for me, it, it covers so many areas. And I quite liked that mm. about it because it didn't feel messy. There's,
0: um, there's that element, for instance, where we hear him psychotically laughing and we're told from minute one this is a mental condition he has, Yeah. that he, he can uncontrollably laugh when he yes. feels uncomfortable. And the problem is, once you start introducing elements, I feel like you're giving the character a bit of a default get-out clause. It kind of let, And also it lets the world off the hook a little bit if he was already on the edge to begin with. I mean, I came away from thinking...
1: I think you're overthinking that.
0: I think I am, maybe, but... In terms of the replicable behaviour that yeah. everyone is scared of, my question is, what replicable behaviour? Are we worried that people are going to beat up clowns? Because we already did that in the press two years ago.
1: <laughs> okay, I understand where you're coming from. I think the thing that really gripped me about mm. his... The, the thing that we see with Arthur Fleck in this is the realism that this could happen to anyone, right? Absolutely, yes. And that's what makes it suddenly this entire kind of worrisome dangerous movie. If I was going to use the word dangerous, Mm. it's because of that reason is that it's not an unrealistic scenario that could happen if someone has completely failed on all sorts of uh, different levels.
0: I will say that I think the way that, we've got to talk about Phoenix Um, uh, the way that Phoenix plays it I think is absolutely out of this world the smartest smartest decision they've made is to enable him by not having it involve any gimmicks any superheroics or anything like that. When violence happens it's real, raw violence and very much in the vein of you and never really here I thought as well
1: yeah yeah. which I didn't really like Mm. but uh, I see those elements that came through in this there's things that you know when he becomes the clown like taking the elements from being a street clown and uh, applying it to being the joker suddenly movements that he makes are far more ferocious and suddenly you know things that are supposed to Instill fun and laughter made me shudder.
0: Oh yes, very you know? much so. Yeah, I see yeah. what you mean. In that way, that you wish it too had had more of.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: In exactly that sense, he's almost it's scarier
1: of, uh, than Pennywise in some respects. On this, he
0: absolutely is. I will say, as a as a as a huge you know lifelong Batman fan, I'm not a fan of Batman in movies for about the last decade. I think it's been done. You're not death a fan and, of
1: the Dark Knights, kind of no. The Dark
0: Knight stuff uh, w- was great and everything. I think by the third one, they'd run out of steam. And uh, the Affleck one, I would just rather not acknowledge. exactly (laughs) Um, So having said that, I'm all for the idea that they should retcon this into Robert Pattinson's Batman, but... As the Bat fanatic, I've, I've never really gotten the Joker. However, I do respect the hell out of the way that the nuances and the levels on which Joaquin Phoenix plays this character, he has incorporated very stealthily different elements from other Jokers. And there yeah, are moments when he goes clever. full Heath ledger. There are Mark Hamill moments. There are even Cesar Romero moments. And that's up to and including the brilliant costume design towards yeah, the end, which yeah. very much is Cesar Romero yes, with that Scorsese look.
1: Yeah, hmm. yeah. And you see it kind of earlier in the film just make a hint of it you know an appearance every now and again and you're like I wonder where that's going to go when that's (laughs) going to come in in full regalia Um, but for me like his performance the weight that he lost is like Christian Bale in The Machinist and
0: and he plays with it physically yeah the
1: contortion that mm. he does within his body is it's almost difficult to watch. It is. It's very. Um, I know what
0: you mean about shuddering. Yeah. 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 With, the, with his shoulder blades, he, he his shoulder blades, but also and, his oh.
1: rib cage and stuff. The, the the thinness around like his stomach and stuff. And he's just sitting on a sofa at that point. <laughs> but his relate his relationship with his mother, his sort of psychosis, his his obsession with um, with Robert De Niro's character in some respects is all just incredible. How it all pieces together and what I love about the, what the way the film that kind of ends or comes to a conclusion Mm. is, is that everything is essentially explained. And I love that about this. And that's not a spoiler in any way. It just gives you a bit of enlightenment that sometimes you can feel a little bit like, oh, I didn't get that bit, or I didn't get that bit, or I didn't mm. get that bit. For me, it was all pieced together you nicely. Do, you do
0: walk away with a completely clear picture, don't you? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, just just a to you, by the way, because obviously we've got the, the footage on the background, yeah. one uh, one uh, influence that I, I, I discovered as well that I don't think anyone seems to have acknowledged, Network, Paddy Shaevsky's uh, Network from uh-huh. the 70s. Uh, th- I thought there were moments like that, particularly in the sequences involving his obsession with Robert De Niro's yes, character. Yes,
1: yeah, very retro, mm. very, yeah. I mean, all of it is incredibly thought out down to the detail. For me, I'm going to tell you, believe the hype. I think this this is a warranted five-star film. It is. It ticks every box for me and it's something that I very rarely kind of go after a screening. I'm going to go and see it again very quickly. But I'm happy to go and watch. No. no, I'm very happy to go and watch it again this weekend. And I, th- I would encourage that this weekend, if ever there has been a weekend this year, is the weekend to go and see some great performances in movies. And we're obviously going to talk about the others in just a second. Well,
0: we need to talk about this. this is obviously, I'm guessing you think this is best uh, best actor winner material. Best, best
1: actor winner, hands down. This will be hard to beat. Some someone would have come out of the shadows now as a running contender, but there's, it, this is a runaway for me.
0: Uh, two thumbs up from me as well. Yeah. Uh, big fan. So okay, what's Let's we'll leave it there. And we're back. So uh should we take a journey to Motown, Miss Perfect? I
1: think we could do with a little bit of light relief. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Quite. So uh Hitzville making of Motown. This is a bit of a strange one. So this had a one night uh I'm
1: immediately Clicking yeah. my fingers. and, and,
0: and rightly chew- so. Up,
1: oh yeah, <laughs> oh
0: you, you wait for that clip. You're gonna have a ball. Uh, so, uh, so we we uh, we had uh, there was a one night screening of this on Monday where it was linked through all cinemas. Like the, the will premiere was. Oh, was nice. like Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is also on limited release uh, on Friday as well. It is available on video on demand on Friday, and it's on DVD and Blu-ray next Monday. So
1: so what you're saying is. You have absolutely no excuse to not watch this. You have no excuse. <laughs> and if,
0: like me, you have parents who are really into Motown, then it's absolutely a must, uh, right. a must recommend. So this is a documentary by uh, Gabe and Benjamin Turner, uh, who've come from something of a musical documentary background. They've done a lot of concert movies and things like that, but they have also done uh, documentaries like I Am Bolt yep. and, and, and the like. Uh, so this is the uh, basically the story of Barry Gordy, who I didn't realise is the one solitary figure who effectively founded Motown. Oh. He came from the. I
1: love when you learn.
0: I know, right? (laughs) Oh, you'll have a ball with this then. So much I did not know. I didn't. I always forget Stevie Wonder was a child performer first.
1: Yep, I've always just imagined Stevie as Stevie.
0: You do, don't you? But he was yeah. like
1: he was like fourteen when he starts. Wow, <laughs> I had no
0: idea. Anyway, so uh, Barry Gordy came from the Ford Motor Plant in uh, in Detroit, in Motor City, and that's where obviously he would come up with the name. And what he liked was the assembly line idea of the factory, and he wanted to apply that to c- curating and creating the finest musical talent in the business, and that goes up to and including meddling with songs that he didn't. But obviously, the performers themselves don't, and but we do in hindsight realize will be the biggest pieces of popular music ever recorded. I'm just a stubborn kind of fella. wow, you know, very jazzy, you know. See, yeah, but that's not gonna sell any records. I said, oh, well, you know, I thought I'd give it the old try. Barry could sense what needed to happen to make it pop. And I'm not saying pop, meaning pop music, but I'm saying to make it have that thing. So anyway, Barry, he said, listen, why don't you put this chord right here on it? Duh. I said, oh, man, that's killing my jazz, man. So then he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really toe-tapping, head-bopping I, fun.
1: Just by that clip, I know it's the type of documentary I'd like to go and watch. It's where it cuts to a talking head, and then he's kind of explaining what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love, it, love here's, it. Here's the
0: thing I, I found amusing as well, is they, they do have a really solid way. Normally it can be quite patronising when they get contemporary artists to look back on something like Motown. Okay. And the, the artists they've chosen here are quite an eclectic and interesting bunch. So this is up to and including, for instance, John Legend. And oh, does uh,
1: he feature? Uh, so fe- he features?
0: John, he features as well, as does Jamie Foxx okay. and Sam Smith. Even.
1: Oh, this is annoying me. Sam Smith is everywhere where he shouldn't be right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's got, got a hell of a roster going for it. It's like Smokey Robinson's in there, Martha Reeves, just, you know, the who's who of of, of great Motown talents, the, the ones still around, are all in there. Stevie Wonder will talk for England, it seems.
1: Amazing. And how often do you get uh, to talk. see some of those kind of stalwarts of, the, of the, that music era talking in one, you know, one continuous two hour or so movie like it's very rare that you get to see something like that so if you're just fans of you know certain elements of Motown it'd be so nice to watch this and just see who crops up
0: Oh, you really do, and you just find yourself with a with a mental list of songs in the back of your head, and you are like, come oh, on, come on, get to yeah. my girl, come on, I'll get.
1: To my I girl. know, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, then they do. The guy in that clip, whoever was singing in that clip, had such a silky voice, and you think he's singing it I think like that was Marvin Gaye? Was it Marvin Gaye? I think oh my so. goodness! I Think that was well, Marvin
0: and Stevie Wonder, I think, in that clip.
1: Fantastic. Well, what happens there is that you just when he cuts out and he's like, yeah, oh yeah, and it's something like that. You are like, no, no, just keep singing. <laughs> so I am going to be a lot like that as I watch this. Uh,
0: we'll cool. just say before we, before we cut off on this one, uh, I, I thought it was a very it was also quite a touching documentary did offer insight that i'd never really considered into the idea that motown sort of rose to prominence as the civil rights movement was reaching its peak
1: uh-huh. and
0: they would bump into and get or get invited to functions at which martin luther king would always be present would express his, his as you do yeah express his love for motown and they would effectively team up and i'd never considered that also motown was a really diverse place in a time that did not reward diversity
1: Wow! Which, uh, you are going to learn a lot from oh, this. Oh,
0: yeah, you are. So, uh, I mean, two thumbs up from me for Motown. Yep. Two, two jiggling, dancing thumbs. Up from uh, two me. jiggling,
1: dancing thumbs. So that is Hitsville, the making of Motown. You I want to keep it. dancing though. Yeah, I. Can, uh, well, do you know what? I wish that our next movie is going to keep you. Singing, maybe more than singing. I I mean, obviously, another big movie out this week is... I mean, this is unprecedented that we're going to get what I would suggest are two frontrunners for the Oscars in one week. It is a strong week for movies. We're going to talk about Judy right now. Uh, This is in cinemas from Friday. It's rated 12A. It stars Renee Zellweger, and it plays on the last year of Judy Garland's life, so 30 years on from uh, The Wizard of Oz, and it kind of documents her time in London. Uh, do you need anything or should we dive in you know it's it's really damp in here i don't think rehearsing is a good idea right well i have all your charts are there any changes you might like to make no everything the same is there anything to discuss then
0: sweetheart that's up to you i don't particularly need to discuss anything judy i'm afraid the critics
1: will review opening night sure of course it's tomorrow. I'd like to rest. Now you've picked a very uh, an interesting part of a cl- as a clip mm. there because she's quite curt. She that.
0: is. Well, this because she does start as the proper diva, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, she does. Well, she doesn't. She doesn't. I think she maybe as as she's trying to assert her authority in London. But we certainly at the beginning of the movie kind of see her. Having her kind of relationship with her kids, mm. her kind of desperation for money in the US before moving over to try and sort of save herself <laughs> in a way in London. I mean, because obviously you can only save yourself in London. Of um, course, yeah. <laughs> but this is, this for me, I mean, I saw you put like wham bam five stars for this on your sort of early review of this. I did, and, yes. And do you know what? If I could give Renee Zellweger a rating for this, I'd give her five stars. I'd probably give the movie four. I, I
0: would agree with that, and I think we we were starting, we accidentally found ourselves starting to have this conversation before we got on mic, yeah, which was slap effectively. On the wrist. Stop yeah. doing that. So effectively, <laughs> she is easily at the very least, she's a best actress nomination. Yes, I mean, same with Joaquin Phoenix. At the very least, he's a nomination. Whether or not he'll win, we'll see who the who the contenders are. But uh, they're
1: both going to be hard to beat. They'd have
0: to be strong, wouldn't? Yeah. they? Yeah. However, we did say that on, in terms of the film, this is really no more or less than Stan and Ollie was.
1: Yeah, the tone is a little bit. Uh, uh, passive I suppose in a way Mm. it's a little bit kind of not quite uh, as
0: gritty uh, no
1: and also what I I would have loved to have seen is more throwbacks like jazz hand throwbacks (laughs) to Judy's heyday I know we get a throwback to the Wizard of Oz but that leads into the narrative of this movie whereas actually what you wanted to see is maybe her perform something or try and replicate performing that in the studio but also like meet me in St. Louis Mm. or you know a star is born her on stage or even singing happy or something like that you know where we would have seen her in the fishnets and the top hat and things just to see what that is like to remind anyone that doesn't know about Judy... Why she was so great?
0: I will say I've got two. P- I will make two quick points okay. before I pass back to you. Hang on. So, f- first point: uh, when I say Renee Zellweger is terrific in this movie, h- her first musical number in London might have the single best bit of acting I've uh, I've seen since uh, DiCaprio in uh, uh, the uh, Revenant? No. I mean last year, the, the, the Once Upon a <laughs> Time in Hollywood. There's a moment in that where I just genuinely thought he was the greatest actor alive. Oh, really? And there's on a moment movie. she wow. simply <laughs> acts with her eyes during a song and dance number, and it's It genu- just gives you chills. Yeah. Second point um you mentioned about the wizard of oz flashback at those scenes which are all flashback scenes with another actress playing a younger judy i forgot that actress's name um but those sequences and the things we're shown that she was put through in uh, oh uh, yeah in a heyday my god how chilling is that in the post me too 100 and that's why
1: that's why it leads into the narrative but Mm. i think a lot of people might be going to this expecting to see more musical numbers from earlier in judy's career so it's just That would be my only criticism to kind of caveat that it's not really about that. It really is focused on those last kind of year of her life. Or you know, late six six months to a year of her life left. I think you know we we kind of know what happens to her at the end of it. And the thing is, is that what you're watching here is another great character study. You're watching a character yeah, yeah, who absolutely. is addicted to medication. She's got obviously got something like bipolar disorder or something There's like that. Something that, along, that I'm yeah. not
0: sure what the specifics were with Judy Garland. No, exactly.
1: But if you cross-reference, she was very unhappy woman and she was broke. So if you cross-reference the images of Judy Garland. And what Renee Zellweger uh, performs at that time, Mm -hmm. you are seeing everything from the way she sits, quite like with Joaquin Phoenix in The Joker, the contortion of her body, her voice... And her singing voice, because Renee does sing this, and to take on—is on it of her the, singing? It's her. Singing. It is her singing. Yes. Oh
0: God, I was wondering about that the whole way through.
1: <laughs> I did some googling because okay. I was like, "It's got. I've got to know." And uh, you know, to take on one of the greatest voices of you know of our time and generation, you know, back in the day, particularly. I say our time. It's kind of of all time. Mm. Um, this is why it makes it an absolutely killer performance from Renee.
0: Thumbs up, thumbs down from you? Do
1: you know what? I'm going to give it two massive thumbs up. It's just the film that I would have dropped it a little bit for. But you know what, Renee, you win every time. We want to
0: give a shout out to our friends at Runway East where we record this show. They're on a mission to provide the world's best office space for startup teams and, oh, they're doing pretty damn well at it. I'm partial to the roof garden myself. Uh, They're in London Bridge, Soho, Moorgate, very zen places to work. Give them a peep at runwayea.st. That's runwayea.st.
1: Now, if we've given you enough recommendations for going to the cinema, I don't know why you'd be sat on your backside, on your sofa, watching stuff on the small screen. But if you haven't listened to us... I don't know who you are that's not <laughs> listening to us. But if you haven't listened to us, you know what? You're lucky because this week you've actually got some real corkers on the small screen as well, haven't we, Van? Oh,
0: yes. Freeview is just loaded up with good flicks this week. And one is actually quite topical because it ties into a film coming out next week. So uh, it's fun to be had. I don't know
1: which one you're talking Oh, about we'll, get there. One. we'll okay. get there. We'll get there. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Now, I'm going to start off with a divisive movie, which mm. um, if, like me, you watched it, were lucky enough to watch it a few months before the hype kicked off. Then you will be absolutely in love with this film, and I will be watching this again and again on Saturday night. But this is—and if you watched it when it was too hyped, you might not like it as much. But this is La La Land. It was—it's on BBC Two Saturday night at nine twenty PM. It was one of my five star films. Was wow. it? I. Love this I was sobbing throughout I loved every bit of homage that it paid to the golden age of Hollywood Mm -hmm. I loved that it was quite rough and ready and not practically perfect as a musical and I thought the performances were great it was everything I wanted it to be
0: Uh, did we go to the same screening as this I think it was the very first one of the year it was the very first pressure of the year and it was in the Regent Street uh, view Yes Yeah I think that was That was a nice afternoon Actually A nice nice late morning
1: Yeah And I I mean you know People didn't know They just heard some stuff (laughs) And didn't quite know What to go in and expect I I thought it was
0: Straight up delightful son
1: yeah, I love this movie. I'm I glad you the- I'm glad you're in that camp with me oh, on yeah. this. I mean, you know, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Oscar-winning Emma Stone for this.
0: Sexy ass couple right there.
1: Absolutely. And remember, Oof. all this is trying to do is bring you back to that magic that movies and musicals give you. That that delight of it. So don't take it too seriously and think that it's like, "Oh, it looks silly. Why are they doing this?" It's because it's brilliant, okay? <laughs> Enough said.
0: Can I can I defend Sunday now? <laughs>
1: Fine. So, okay,
0: so Sunday night, five star, 9pm. It is the best of the Blade movies, which also coincidentally is the only one written and directed by Guillermo del Toro and starring Ron Pillman.
1: I, I don't know which Blade movie I've seen. All I remember is Wesley Snipes looking... Scowly? De- scowly, yeah. He,
0: he does that a lot. It, also, it's amazing how much younger he was when you see the clips of Blade 1 now, because it always seems like he's been the same age he is right this moment in time. But, uh, so, so Blade 2, the second movie, I think this came about 2002, thereabouts. Uh, okay. Blade in Prague is forced to team up with vampires to fight a third faction of vampires who the original vampires are afraid of because oh they're like Oh my god that's way too many vampires retro-virus. I'll tell you what here's, here's a sampling of the tone and the fun to come From now on we work as a unit You've been taking orders from me Any questions? You want to catch the hunter, you start with the prey. We're target all the night places where vampires congregate. blood banks, save houses, bigger the better. So, what's first?
1: I love how he just very precisely pronounces his words with he a does. breath. I know. So he's like, right, you're gonna <laughs> follow me, yeah.
0: <laughs> he's, you know what, I will give it to Wesley Stibes He's awesome as Blade he, He's a role he was born to play
1: what, Well, what universe has Blade come from?
0: Oh, Blade is a Marvel character Because he's being rebooted for the MCU now Because Mahershala Ali is the new Blade
1: Oh, that's right Yeah, so
0: he's like, That's okay. the Avenger universe Blade we're getting Wow,
1: okay, but will be uh, yeah,
0: Nine o'clock, five star Sunday night Check it out It is really, really good it is the, it's, it's the masterpiece of the Blade trilogy
1: If you like Blade
0: I don't think you even have to. It's just. It's also just a really good Del Toro horror action film.
1: If you like Del Toro. If you like Del Toro. <laughs> or
0: horror action films. Or films. Anyway. Films. <laughs> oh, okay. Over to you. What we got fine. Monday?
1: Monday. You're starting a your week with four lions on film four at 10.55pm. A hilarious film.
0: This is what ties into next week, because The Day Shall Come is next week, and that's Chris Morris. And- uh,
1: okay, fine. Riz Ahmed. Uh, you know, a really good, strong cast in this. I have not seen this in, gosh, years. All I remember is them blowing themselves up and finding it funny.
0: Well, I, I I have something of a connection to this, obviously. It's filmed and set in Sheffield. Right. To the extent that even the scenes that take place in London later on are still filmed in Sheffield. They're actually filmed on the Wicker, okay. where the Sheffield Space Center comic store my friend, uh, friend works for is, right. is based. Uh, which means we had Benedict Cumberbatch down there and no one told us. But, uh, that yeah. That aside. Uh, really funny movie. Instantly quotable. Uh, An absolute anarchic cult classic. I yeah. think... Th- is it big? In, is it too big it, to be cult classic?
1: Well, I think it is in a way. I think it makes light of a very serious yes. uh, subject matter and turns it on its head in a clever way, which is why it became so successful. Absolutely. Um, trying to think of the time of when it actually came out. You know, two thousand nine or
0: two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's a good decade ago or so. But very for that time frame, again, very topical as well. So, if you if you've never seen it. Treat yourselves. Oh, yeah. It's a, a, a 10.55 film four on Monday. Four Lions, give it a watch.
0: So on to Tuesday then. Uh, stick with film four, 9 pm. A comedy I thought was vastly ignored. By I far agree. too many. People. Yeah. It seriously, this movie was so much better than any of the other critics said it was, than any of the yeah. any of the fifty people who showed up to see it uh, said it was because it underperformed. It only, only made something like sixty mil or something but like this
1: that. Zac Efron, right?
0: Zephron, Dwayne Johnson, Alexandra Daddario. It, this thing had a hell of a cast. So, of course, we're talking was about. Is it
1: Olivia Munn in this as well? Is she? No, was
0: no, no. There is a la- there is a lady who looks kind of like Olivia yeah. Munn. Okay. Uh, but Priyanka Chopra is in this as the yes. villain. I fell in love with her in this, and uh, it's Baywatch. It's 9pm, film 4, and, uh, well, there's so many great moments. Just like this.
1: What do we learn from the perps after the interrogation? The only perps here
0: are you three, okay? You turned the canals into the goddamn X-Games. Yeah, that's because we were in lifeguard pursuits. Oh, okay. My bad.
1: Except for there's no such thing as lifeguard pursuit. Police do pursuits. When you do it, it's just some guys chasing some other guys. No offense.
0: None taken. But what are you saying? You're just going to let those guys walk?
1: Okay, um, how do I explain this so that you people understand? You people? You people? Oh, you don't get to say that. You're just Dan. <laughs> That's
0: classic, isn't
1: it? You know what? I love a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. Oh, no, no. And moving swiftly on to a movie that takes itself way too seriously. <laughs> Did you see what I did that? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> clever, clever. Wednesday, Sony Channel, 9 o'clock is Drive. I might be the only person on the planet that hates this movie.
0: It's, I think because it's, it's mo- not really a film so much as it's a music video.
1: I was just going to say, all it is is a glorified music video. I'm
0: fine with that because at least it's a good music video. Do you know
1: and... what? It's got more awkward pauses than Made in Chelsea in it. It's just one of those films that I just think, why am I watching this? To be fair, I've done it again. I watched this movie on an airplane. Mm. And the, I, I don't know if that was the best place to watch it, but I really can't be bothered to watch it again.
0: Drive is a movie that I thought was great at the time. Uh, I didn't include it in my top ten of the year that year, and John Colson has never let me forget it. Uh, however, I will <laughs> say that his follow-up to this, where Nicholas Winding Ref and the director and writer of this, and uh, not the not the writer, sorry, um, and star Ryan Gosling would go on to start in Only God uh, would go on to make Only God Forgives. Yeah, like and a then there's Place Beyond the
1: Pines as well, isn't it? The problem was
0: the awkward stare thing reached a joke point by the time you got to the uh, yeah. Only God Forgives one. To the point. The way he was committing sex acts using just a glare yeah. Yeah, that was bad.
1: The thing is, is that the, uh, this director kind of had like a trilogy of mm, these movies, yes. and then we haven't really heard from him since. He's been
0: doing a lot of TV and stuff. He's art house yeah. TV.
1: Yeah, but you know, do, I think when you reach that kind of pinnacle where everyone's kind of talking about it in sort of a cult status, mm. the jacket, for instance. Yes. The lift scene. I mean, Kerry Mulligan, I thought, was massively miscast in this as well. I didn't really like her performance. I didn't think Fair. she. It didn't really make a good connection with Ryan Gosling's character, and it didn't work for me on so many different levels, but hey. I get it. I'm expecting trolling right now. (laughs) (laughs) But hey,
0: really cool music video. Yeah,
1: (laughs) great. This is way too long. So
0: can we move on to a director who no one wants to talk about anymore? Yeah, and I don't know.
1: I've never heard of this movie before in my life.
0: You will have because well, the the official title is X2. The official title with subtitle is X2 X-Men United. Oh,
1: I thought... It, I was just about to say They X-Men, changed it for
0: the UK because it sounded too much like a football score. Oh, for
1: goodness that's sake.
0: What we, that's what we were told. So, X2, uh, film four, 6.20 on Thursday night. The best X-Men movie. Genuinely, Who's straight directed up. directed this? Brian Singer.
1: Right, His, I get uh, it.
0: Here's a coming out scene.
1: So, uh, when did you first know you were a... A mutant? Um, you cut that out you have to understand we thought Bobby was going to a school for the gifted Bobby is gifted we know that we just didn't realize we still love you Bobby it's just this
0: mutant problem is a little what
1: mutant problem complicated
0: what exactly are you professor of mr. Logan art
1: okay so if X-Men fans Van's recommendation that this is the best <laughs> X-Men movie ever. Uh, so go and watch it, despite the fact of your feelings for Brian Singer. Mm. Um, moving swiftly on to the final film of the week... This is on the Horror Channel, 10.50pm on Friday. It is Let Me In. Now, this is Chloe Grace Moretz. It night. is.
0: I always get this this and Let the Right One In, which yeah. this is the remake of. I get yes. the two titles confused as to which one's the original and no. which one's the remake. Let the
1: Right One In is the original course, and this yes. is the remake that I didn't think worked as well as the original. People
0: are a lot more down on this one than they are on Let the Right One In. Yeah. I personally thought for an American reinvention, it's not quite funny games, which admittedly changed nothing but the language. This, I think. Tilts it a little bit more, yeah. uh, but it's that performance. Is it Alza Butterfield as the uh, I as the think young boy, so. or is it? Oh no, it's Cody Smith McPhee oh, from the uh, from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Sorry, I, I remember obscure. Basically.
1: Actors. It's, it's little vampires <laughs> who, in a very subtle and adult kind of way, go through their lives. And very true. And that's, that's all you need to know. Go and watch it. Chloe Grace Moretz proves why she's an excellent child star and has had, had a bright future ahead of her. And she probably still does, to be fair.
0: Welcome back for one last ride, and this time we're going to keep you on the couch, but we'll switch to, uh, well, what we, I think we're now nostalgically calling the shiny disc. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know you're going to watch it on video on demand (laughs) Exactly, so
0: movies are out on DVD and Blu-ray This upcoming Monday, October the 7th We've got three picks for you Uh, We've gone from having one of the best X-Men movies in the movies on TV segment To having one of the worst ones on home platforms But we'll get to that after we talk about The Secret Life of Pets too.
1: So I watched the first movie Yeah. And I didn't watch this second one Because I think everything that was good about the first movie was in the trailer yeah. Yeah, and so then it didn't warrant for someone who doesn't have kids to mm. be forced back to the cinema and to watch a second version of this. Was there any good?
0: Right, the second movie The second movie is the movie the marketing campaign for the first movie promised it was going to give you and then didn't. The second movie is what you wanted the first time around.
1: So I should go and watch this? You
0: absolutely should. Uh, just for moments like this. You know, I gotta say, this is nice. Good to stretch the legs. I don't want to go to the vet! The vet? No! No, 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 no! Oh, not cool! You tricked me!
1: Maxie, come on, boy. You've been so stressed lately, but this vet is going to help you. Let's go, buddy. (laughs)
0: It is kind of identifiable humour There's great gags in for instance In that vet's waiting room Where you get like psychotic cats And things like that Medicated dogs with clear conditions And uh, There's a show stealing performance From uh, Harrison Ford Who literally shows up to just play Harrison Ford As a dog
1: Oh I quite like that I Yeah Okay
0: Just grumpy Harrison Ford But he's a farmyard dog
1: Brilliant! I bet. I bet he was, was a barrel in the voiceover
0: studio. <laughs> 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 oh, probably not. He probably just showed up and barked at them. And they thought, yeah, yeah, he's on fine form as always. Um, oh. So, I mean, there's some changes to it. Uh, Louis, uh, Louis C.K. obviously is out for somewhat uh, well-known reasons. Yep. uh, J- uh Pat Oswalt is in. The difference make the difference works because the story it requires the character to be a little bit looser than he had been in the first one. Uh, it still has the requisite laughs, but I think is a stronger film by simply keeping the narrative less intri- less held together than the last one did this having separate subplots and things like that works the film is so good in fact it even pulls off a very obviously pandering superhero storyline cool so there you go so I Pets we like worth checking out
1: nice next up we have <laughs> probably the biggest hatred from Van for the last year um, I didn't think it was as bad as everyone is making out <laughs> but it still left me like I can't remember it. it is X-Men Dark Phoenix it had some <sighs> fun action bits
0: I think it's I think I ranked it as like the third worst. But third
1: worst. Third
0: worst, and that's only because X-Men The Last Stand and X-Men Origins Wolverine exist.
1: Do you know what? I get so confused with all of those titles. I never remember which is which.
0: Yeah, we get confused following them as well as fans because they don't seem to have any idea what their own continuity is at this stage.
1: Fair enough. Pretty I, sure, I was leaving that open for a little bit of a jibe. Pretty
0: sure Nicholas Holt and Jennifer Lawrence would have to be in their mid-50s by now if we're following the oh, timeline that on is, this.
1: Yeah, I, that is one of the major problems was the timeline on this, wasn't yeah. it? It was just didn't quite work. But it basically centres around Jean Grey Doesn't it? So Sophie Turner's sort of turned to be the lead in this, and it's what a shame, you know. She's if if this didn't work out, which it didn't, I think there was obviously lots of problems in production, which was delaying it. It was reshot
0: twice, and one of those was after the last round was after the Disney merger. Right. So they knew that this franchise was not long for this world.
1: Yeah, okay. And it shows. Well, it does show. There are disjointed bits in it. But for me, who just likes shiny things on TV, (laughs) um, I just thought the action sequence, was a good train action sequence that I quite liked in it.
0: In in which all the bad guys have MCU written across their backs in big white letters.
1: Didn't see that. Yep, (laughs) total thing. This is the thing, like if you're a fan of this, you're gonna be looking out for all those little Easter eggs or whatever you I was literally
0: to... in text in front of me. <laughs>
1: for people like me, I would have thought it was like some fancy FBI thing for that particular. It's meant to be, be
0: mutant control unit. Well, and there apparently no, the two I said we hadn't considered it when we were fi- until we were actually filming it and then thought, ah leave it in.
1: Yeah, one for the fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, take it or leave it. It certainly didn't leave slow it. everyone's vote on the big screen, so whether or not it does on the small screen is up to you. Moving swiftly on as well.
0: Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is out. This one is another take it or leave it. I think. Uh, no,
1: I liked this. Now, I
0: liked this as well, but there are a lot of people who didn't. Yeah. Now my friend Calvin, Shame for instance, on you. fanatical about this movie. Fanatical. I, you know, he loved this movie. Good. He thought it absolutely blew him away. But you know what? It is what it is. It's it's there's a bunch of ancient titans, the monsters like King Ghidorah and, and creatures like that, and Mothra who are coming back and going to take you know lay waste to the world. Our only hope is Godzilla and his plucky. Band of human sidekicks. Is
1: it just me or has he been working
0: out? Kidding me? Cerazowa's got that lizard juiced. Damn right. Oh boy. Godzilla's radiation levels are going through the roof. We got about 12 minutes before he goes thermonuclear. What do you mean? Saying in about 12 minutes, it's gonna
1: be a bad day to be a Red Sox fan
0: exactly what you think is going to be isn't it <laughs> so
1: so this is i would actually rename this as the search for godzilla because you spend a lot of time trying to find out where godzilla is in this movie yeah they
0: seem to lose him very easily yeah, for a creature do. that size he's
1: he's um he's basically he doesn't want to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about this, so a few years ago, there was um, the the Godzilla uh, mm. version of this with Alan, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yes, that it. was the Gareth
0: Edwards version. The Gareth wasn't it? Edwards 2014, version, 2014.
1: Yeah. I loved it because it felt like, as does this movie, like a homage to the really old school ones. It felt quite like. Um, Practical effects as opposed to uh, big CGI stuff. Obviously, they're CGI. Obviously, yeah, I'll I'll give you that.
0: They don't feel particularly artificial. You do believe in these monsters. Yeah,
1: you do in a way. And I think you get that element here. And someone came out of that screening and said to me, you know what? Some people want to see a monster movie. Some people don't really want to go and see a work of art. And I was like, I like, <laughs> I like the hybrid of the two. And I think it was a very sip artistic. It rim, yo. Yeah, exactly, right. But actually, I like the fact that we remember where Godzilla's origins are, mm. um, and it is like that kind of tacky practical effects <laughs> of yesteryear. And they bring it in once again on this, but it never does well with critics when they do that. No, definitely. Which not. is a shame. Which I thought they would have loved that. Th-
0: there's some sequences in this though with the. music music and, and, the show yeah. and the cinematography that are just absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Uh, monsters coming up with the with the water flowing down over yeah. their backs in slow motion. And
1: I do yeah. have to say, I did. Uh, there was a bit with Godzilla where I described him as an oversized fat dinosaur with lightning coming out. That's his about
0: mouth. average, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, th- 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 for me, it was Godzilla, age forty something, that had just put on a bit of weight and eaten too many Cheerios. It, it just so that was
0: just Butler phase. Yeah,
1: just Gerard Butler phase. <laughs> yeah, phase. Uh, kind of didn't work that much for me on that scent but so the overall, I quite liked it. Yeah, me
0: too. So should we uh, wrap up with one last one for streaming this week because this yeah. is going to be huge.
1: You say it's going to be huge for me, not so much because I didn't really get into Breaking Bad. Did you not? Know? No.
0: Oh, I really. I think I got into it around the t- about halfway through the third season, so I was with it for the for the point where it became a huge smash. Okay. Uh, so from Friday next week, which is the 11th, it's we're going to have. El Camino, a very secretly produced movie starring Aaron Paul and a couple of the supporting players from uh, Breaking Bad, some of his character's friends, and it's going to be the events that Jesse Pinkman after the end of the series. So
1: I was going to say, yeah. you're going to be gutted if this was actually so secretly kept, it's actually nothing to do with <laughs> Breaking
0: Bad. Well, they didn't even say that for ages, they just called it El Camino. El Camino. Yeah. yeah, there was nothing. The, the two trailers we have for it are very mysterious. They okay. really hold a lot back, admirably so.
1: There's a lot of hype, then, isn't there? Which there's there's a lot to fall down on. Is there that?
0: really is. Yeah, there really
1: but we'll wait and see.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll find out next week anyway. But we'll be back before that airs, so we'll be well, recording it before that airs, so well, we
1: can see. Why have you brought it up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, you know, that's anyone listening to this still doesn't hear us until after it's out.
1: Wow. Well, okay. So. Fair enough. But look, there's been some great movies out this week, so we've got particularly movies that are. On your big screen. This is the weekend. I don't know what the weather's doing, but use it as an excuse. I mean, anyone to sit knows what yourself- the weather's doing. <laughs> use it as an excuse to go and sit in a dark room with Judy and the Joker... And just you know, use those cinema cards because that's what they're there for. And then Monday,
0: get the DVD of of Hitsville.
1: Yes, and that yeah. too. Yeah, and then sit at home for the rest of the week and watch things like La La Land, Blade Two for anyone. Baywatch, most it. importantly. Most uh, importantly, Baywatch. <laughs> and you might want to treat yourself to a little bit of Secret Life of Pets too. And if you're into your artsy fartsy movies, then Godzilla King <laughs> <Marvel is laughs> almost up there. You
0: calling <laughs> Godzilla an art movie? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I might be pushing it. God, we've got off bit. the reservation. Yeah. <laughs> Hire me back next week, please. So speaking
0: of next week then, big stuff next week. We've already said The Day Shall Come, uh, ladies from Chris Morris. Yes. That's out next week. Uh, Abominable is next week, the uh, Abominable Snowman yeah, movie. Yeah, Shaun the
1: Sheep movie. I've seen the trailer for that. I've just been like, I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> um, We've also got Gemini Man. Looks awful. Let's really? That you think way. it looks awful? It looks awful. I'm
0: intrigued as hell. So we've got two Will Smiths and the things in 60 frames a second, IMAX. I, this is going to be insane.
1: Okay, and well, you'll have, to, you'll have to see how we turn out next week, whether or not we're loving or fighting each other.
0: In the, mean, <laughs> in the meanwhile, that's it all from us. I've been Van Connor.
1: I'm Bex Perfect, and this is off screen.